They seek him here, they seek him there. Those Frenchies seek him everywhere. Is he in heaven? Is he in hell? That damned elusive Pimpernel. picture Red Shoes as Baroness Orxy's immortal character, the Scarlet Pimpernel. when one curses one's own success, when one wishes one had failed. And that was how Tony Dewhurst and I felt regarding the famous Dr. Mino. We had been kicking our heels in London for a month or more and finding it deucedly dull. And when a request came for me to call on Lord Lowther, the Secretary for Foreign Affairs, I obeyed it with a sense of pleasurable anticipation. Lowther knew well of my association with the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel, but it would never have done for him to admit it officially. And so the usual polite fiction was maintained, as always, between us. Tell me, uh, in the old days in Paris, did you ever chance to meet a certain uh, Dr. Armand Minot? 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 Uh, yeah. Name's vaguely familiar. Can't recall him, I'm afraid, now. Well, he was a very eminent scholar, uh, physics, mathematics, chemistry, uh, lectured at the university of <laughs> Hardly my line, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I not. Anyway, what about him? Well, I've just had news of him. He, uh, he wasn't himself one of the hereditary aristocracy, but he moved a great deal in court circles. He happened to be at the Palace of the Tuileries the day the mob stormed it, and his name was on the list of those reputed to have been slain. But it appears now the report of his death was a little premature. Oh, really? In fact, we've evidence he's still alive. Oh, reliable? From his own daughter, Clarisse. Oh, well, that should be authentic enough. <laughs> it seems he was badly wounded during the fighting and taken prisoner. For a long while it was doubtful if he'd lived, but apparently he's quite recovered now. Well, they're still in prison? Yes, somewhere in Paris. Oh, poor fellow. Probably wishes he was dead. <laughs> the point is... Uh, we want him. When I say we, I mean the government. 
Indeed. Well, is he so valuable? Oh, you have reason to believe so. In what way? At the time of his capture, he was working on a series of mathematical formulae, the purpose of which was to increase the range and firepower of heavy ordnance. Oh, Demi Lather, you're joking. Oh, I assure you I'm not. If you want to fire a gun, you take aim, don't you? That's that. What the deuce can mathematics have to do with it? <laughs> it seems Mino had some sort of theory that if you elevate the gun barrel to a certain angle and use a, a gunpowder charge of a certain strength, you can calculate exactly where your shot's going to land. Sounds fantastic to me. Well, I don't pretend to understand it myself, but uh, I'm told there could be something to it, and uh, Mino's no fool. Uh, uh, this way we'll be eating and drinking, according to Euclid, soon. Now, let's assume that this wine glass is the apex of an isosceles uh, triangle. I'm serious, Clayton. Well, <laughs> I believe you are. <laughs> Most certainly I am. If this principle of Mino's is valid, don't you see how much it could mean to us? It could make our navy and our army the most powerful in Europe. You really think so? Yeah, I'm sure of it. Uh, would Mino, a Frenchman, be prepared to work for England? After two years of suffering in prison, I imagine he'd be prepared to work for anyone who planned to overthrow the present regime in France. I dare say you're right. If the trouble is, of course, we've no possible means of releasing him and bringing him over here. Hmm. Seems to be the right sort of job for that old rascal friend of yours, the Scarlet Pimpernel. Oh, my dear Blakely, you don't seriously suggest the government would have anything to do with that scoundrel? Oh, certainly not. Wouldn't dream of it. Of course, if he did happen to hear about Mino and if he did chance to get in touch with Mino's daughter. Uh, who, I uh, take it, is still in Paris? Yes, living under the name of Mademoiselle Lebrun at uh, 48 Rue Saint-Augustine. Uh, as I say, if he uh, did get in touch with her and engineer her father's escape to England... <laughs> you wouldn't ask too many awkward questions, eh? <laughs> you take my meaning precisely. Uh, pity you don't know this Pimpernel fire, isn't it? Oh, great pity. However, let's think no more about it. Uh, another glass of wine? Thank you very much. Delighted. Marius Goring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel. Scarlet Pimpernel. Two days later, we were in Paris. 
On the same evening, Mademoiselle Lebrun of 48 Rue Saint-Augustin had a couple of unexpected callers. It took her some time to credit that two such obviously respectable citizens of the Republic were, in fact, Englishmen and members of the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel, but at last she was convinced. Then it is true, monsieur, really true. You have come all the way from England to rescue my father. Uh, to try to rescue him, mademoiselle. Until we know everything, it's impossible to be certain. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, we rely on you to give us all the help you can. Oh, I will do anything, monsieur. Anything uh, well, at the all. The first thing we want is information. Your father's in prison somewhere in Paris, we believe. Yes. Where? In the prison of Saint-Lazare. You've been there to see him? Oh, no, no, I wouldn't dare. The Committee of Public Safety has put me on the list of wanted persons. I would be arrested at once. That is why I dare not even use my own name. What could they possibly want with you? I do not know. Uh, unless as a hostage, perhaps. A hostage? Uh, to force my father to work for them. Well, on these mathematical calculations, you mean? Yes. Then you think they nerve your father's theories? Oh, I know they know. How can you be so sure? Well, I have made a friend of a girl whose father is a guard in the prison. From her, I have learned many things. About your own father? Yes. What, for instance? Well, he is set apart from the other prisoners, which means that he is considered of importance. They have brought to bear on him all sorts of pressure. You mean torture? They have beaten him and starved him and done all sorts of terrible things. Poor Papa. Sometimes I think it would be better if he were dead. And now, once every week, this man comes to see him. What happens then, I... I dare not imagine. Oh, what man? A high official of the Committee of Public Safety. A man without scruple or mercy. What's his name? Citizen Chauvelin. Citizen Chauvelin? Damnation, fellow. Don't gape at me as though I were a ghost. Sorry, sir, I hardly expected you at this Just hour. because I usually come at midday, does it mean I must always come at midday? Well, no, It so sir. happens that I have an important conference at midday today. But your pass, sir, it specifically says every Tuesday... Are you and... going to argue with me? Are you going to question my right of admission? No, not exactly, Do you want sir, me to report but... you to the Committee of Public Safety? Oh, no, no, Then no, stop sir. behaving like a fool. Call one of your guards and have me taken to Minot. At once. Oh, yes, sir. Dr. Minot. Oh, go away. I won't talk to I'm you. I'm not Chauvelin. I'm here to rescue you. I've nothing to say. You can't force me to speak. Dr. Minot, please listen to me. Go away! I didn't want to do it, but there was no choice. He was a small man and his frame had been wasted by semi-starvation. I tossed him easily over my shoulder and hurried along the corridor towards the main entrance. I slammed back the bolts of the main door and flung it open. Tony was outside, and as the first guards appeared in the doorway, he drew a brace of pistols and fired. Tony wheeled, ran the other way to draw up the pursuit. Unnoticed for a moment, I slipped through the gathering crowd into a side alley. The water was touch and go, but at last I was able to lose myself with the more crowded main streets. Twisting and turning, doubling on my tracks, I came at last to 48, Rue Saint-Augustin. The door opened to my knock, and Clarice slipped me in. Father, is he... No, no. He'll be all right. He's not wounded. Just knocked out. He should come round any minute now. 
Where shall I put him? In here, monsieur, on the sofa. Ah, there we are. Oh, Papa. Oh, what have they done to you? Look at him, monsieur. So wasted, so thin. We'll have to nurse him ourselves. In any case, it wouldn't be safe for us to leave this house for a week or so till the hue and cries die down. Don't worry, mademoiselle. There's nothing wrong with your father, but rest and care and good food won't cure. moment, Marius Goring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel. Scarlet Pimpernel. I had said a week, but it took longer than a week. Indeed, 18 days passed before we decided Mino was fit to make the journey to the coast. By then, flesh had returned to his body and limbs, and the deadly prison pallor had gone. But the mind doesn't heal as quickly as the body. Three days from now, you'll be safe in England, and you'll be able to forget all this. There are some things, monsieur, one can never forget. Well, not altogether, of course, but at least you'll be able to push it to the back of your mind. There's one thing I should perhaps explain, Doctor. What's that? The British government also knows of your mathematical theories. There'll be no pressure on you, of course. But if you wish to continue with your research... You will be given every facility. That is good news, my friend. You understand, of course, that... That any practical applications from my findings may be used in the event of war against my country. Exactly. I thought I'd better warn you. Thank you, monsieur. But you see, this is no longer my country. And the rabble who rule it are no longer my people. But, monsieur... For me, from now on, I swear that life will have but one aim. Death and damnation to France and all Frenchmen! <laughs> We took Dr. Mino and Clarice to a little house of mine in Chiswick. There he would be able to recuperate completely. And I decided to say nothing of his arrival to Lord Lowther until Dr. Mino would be well enough to make the great decision he would have to make after such a meeting. And some two months later, Tony and I called to see them at Chiswick. Let us consider the position. 
There is danger of war between England and France, yes? Grave danger. Suppose the English have a weapon so certain that there is no counter for it, so devastating that it will destroy the enemy, not in ones and twos, but in hundreds and thousands. And it's so simple that it can be employed by anyone at all. If such a weapon were possible, I don't imagine the French would uh, have much chance. Oh, they'd have no chance at all. They'd be annihilated. That's it, annihilated! That is the word, my friend. Wiped from the face of the earth! That is why I put aside my mathematical research. But you can't. I please. will give England such a weapon. A weapon that will make her ruler of France. It's not possible. What? You think I talk nonsense? Well, uh... You think perhaps I am even a little mad? Yes. No, no, of course not. But <laughs> you will see, my friend. I have already perfected all the details in my mind. Yes. <laughs> we come now. I begin to work. Six months from now, France will lie dead at England's feet. It was clear that his experiences in prison had unhinged Dr. Mino's mind. Tony and I felt desperately sorry for him and for Clarice, but there was nothing we could do. What does it say, Blakeney? Oh, it's, it's written in such haste, I can hardly make it out. Well, my, my dear friends, yes, my dear friends, I have discovered something terrible. I beg of you to come at once. Blakeney, you don't think that... Have you any idea what this is about, boy? No, sir. No, it was given to me by the lady... She said I was to deliver it to you, sir. Ah, and her father, did you see him? What, that one with has all the rats, sir? Yes. No, I never seen him. Well inside half an hour, we were at Chiswick. And there in the drawing room of Bamino's house was enacted a drama more remarkable and more fantastic than any in my memory. There were the four of us, Mino and Clarice, Tony and myself. Clarice, red-eyed from weeping... Mino, excited and talkative, intoxicated with triumph, and in his eyes a strange glint that left no doubt he had stepped beyond the border into complete madness. I've done it. I've done it, my friends. I've done it. I told you I would. I have. Done what, Doctor? The weapon that's to destroy France utterly and completely for all time. I have perfected it at last. A better human in my suppose. Congratulations, sir. Uh, yes. You don't believe me, do you? You think I'm talking rot? I'm mad, aren't I? That's it, mad! Oh, Father, please. <laughs> but I'll show you. I'll show you all. Have you ever heard of the Black Death? Plague, you mean? Yes, the plague. Here in your own London a century or so ago, it killed 100,000 people. In Russia in 1709, 150,000 dead. In Marseille and Toulon in 1720, 90,000 dead. The plague, my friends. God's scourge on the evil. From the beginning of time, man has sought the cause of it. And now I have found it. I, Armand know. Well, I thought everyone knew. Isn't it some kind of contagion carried in the air? That's right. It sort of poisons me, as Ah, old wives' tales. <laughs> you want to know what really causes the plague, eh? I will tell you. Rats. Rats? Yes. Rats. They pass it on from one to the other. From rats to food. From food to humans. And now, my friends, perhaps you begin to understand, my little blood. Your plan? I've told you to destroy the country that tried to destroy me. Well, you can't But mean of course, that. like all great plans, simplicity itself. <laughs> listen, listen. At Dover, I have a small ship. In the hold are cages of rats infected with the plague. Understand? Outside, I have a courier waiting to take my orders to the captain. And what happens then? He takes the ship to France. He releases the rats. Et voilà tout! 
You can't do this, Doctor. Why not? Well, if you're right about these rats... I tell you why I'm right. You doubt my word. Well, if you're right, don't you realize what'll happen? Plague's no respecter of persons. It won't only kill soldiers, but innocent women and children. And not only French people either. It'll spread to other countries, through Europe, across the whole world, perhaps. It's horrible. Unthinkable. You must be crazy to even think of such a thing. Crazy? I'm sure. I tell you, quite, quite sane. Dr. Mino, I want you to come back to London with us and meet a friend of mine. Oh, no. No, you're trying to trick me, aren't you? But I know what I have to do. And you can't stop me. No one can stop me. What are we going to do? It's an effort to restrain him by force. Dr. Mino, please try to be reasonable. Keep away from me. Away, do you hear? He's got a pistol. Please, doctor, be sensible. Put that pistol away. One step nearer and I shoot. I won't be thwarted. I won't. Father! Keep out of this, Clarice. Ah! Clarice! Mademoiselle, you've killed him. Yes, but... You saw for yourself, monsieur. It was the only way. moment, Marius Goring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel. The Scarlet Pimpernel. Sometime later, at a reception given by the Prince of Wales, I found myself drinking with Lord Lowther. Oh, Blakeney, um, remember me talking to you some time ago about a certain uh, Dr. Armand Mino? Uh, yes, yes, vaguely. I'd always hoped that uh, that Scarlet Pimpernel fellow would get to hear of him and rescue him from prison. Uh, yes, I seem to remember your saying something about that. Well, I, I'm sure that Pimpernel must have done something about it, for uh, I saw Mino's daughter only this morning here in London. Oh, really? Uh, I heard that she was about. He's a brilliant man, Mino. But uh, I'm told his prison experiences had sent him a little... Um, Strange in the head, you know. Mm. Anyway, I'm told he was killed. An accident. The pistol went off while he was loading it. Sorry to hear that. We could have used his brain. I understand, my lord, that he was unable to use his brain himself. 
Adventures of the Scarlet Pimpernel, starring Marius Goring, with music composed and conducted by Sidney Torch. Produced by Harry Allen Todd.